Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? Bam. It's live. How you doing, Luke? Good, good. Another Tuesday recording. Another backwards in fact session. I was going to take it back old school and start off with a little bit of a contrast. And it's a shout out to our add on. Who am I? When I was a kid, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, I used to look in the mirror, as I've said on the podcast, who am I? And as a kid, I didn't know what that question meant. But I thought there would be like a grandiose answer. Like you would understand who you are beyond the the name. And then fast forward to now, what, 35 years later, and we've added on the question, who am I, which I think is someone on a spiritual path is like the ultimate question, just like we have it on the pin tweet. It's like the, the ultimate seed, the ultimate original question. And now I just see it as like an infinite gift. Like I know I'll never get like the, who am I? So it's, it's like the never ending story, the never ending gift. It's the never ending question, but that's exactly how we describe it. It's like a infinite seed. It's the question that keeps on giving. And it hit me so hard when we were talking about that on the other podcast, we were talking about, you know, the original, who am I from the universe? And if you look at like all of our faces as representations of the universe, who am I? It just hit me like a ton of bricks full circle from when I was a little kid because when you're trying to figure out even like the universe in different stages that it's at, like at some point it was, who am I? And then as a little kid or a little boy, like at some point it's always, who am I? Like, where am I? What is this? At some point someone has had to say that question, but it's a complete like, Like, that's what everything's built on. Like, from the very expressions, all of humanity, everybody's trying to discover who they are, all the way back to the collective. So you have to, because we know we're the... Like, we harbor the universe within us. What's in me is also everywhere is my ultimate question is who am I? So I know it's the universe as well. You know what I mean? It's that constant paradoxical question that really the contrast is, you know, I thought I would get some kind of ultimate grand answer, you know, maybe after death or whatever you discover who you are, but I don't, I don't think you ever get the answer to that, but now it's like the ultimate gift. It's like, we're always discovering. 
And as soon as you like figured it all out, then the mysteriousness of the universe would be over. It almost has to be that way for it to be some kind of an adventure. Yeah. It's taken on a real mechanical nature for me. It's um, it's almost just like the grounding question, you know? Like if right. you, when you catch yourself and it's just... It's something you can just return back to. It's something that it's just good to have in the forefront most of the time. There is there is a weird echo in it if you like, who am I? Like if you catch yourself and you're like, uh, you know, annoyed or distracted or whatever, and then you remember like, who am I? It does get a little weird because as soon as you answer the question, who am I? Oh, I'm the one who answered the question. Who is that? Oh, I'm the one that just answered the question of the one answering, (laughs) you know, it's like this echo in. Yeah. It's pretty, it kind of cracks me up because like, I'll go like three layers deep to that. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm just the one watching. Well, that's the ultimate test too. Cause as soon as you say, who am I? And you have an answer, you're like, no, you don't. Yeah, exactly. You don't I know what that question is? That question's like eternally infinite. Yeah. Don't tell me you got an answer for that. Stop yeah, it. It's it's well, you want to point to something and you think you're so clever when you realize you're the one to ask the question. And so you grab onto that just for a moment and then it's like it's, but as soon as you grab onto it, like you've popped out of your who am I space. Hmm. It's it, I I always enjoy it because it it's it's like this amusing. It's very grounding, and then it's like just bringing up that question, and not necessarily in conversation, more just with me. Like it just takes on this amusing quality where my ego brain like doesn't know what to do with that question. <laughs> It's, it's on, on just an amusing level. Like we, it just makes a little giggling fest inside me. Yeah. But it's fun. I love the, yeah, if the ego gets involved, I mean, you could, someone with a very large ego that's, you know, made it to on top of this world. If you asked them who they were, I'm sure they'd have a damn good answer. Like I'm this, this, and this, I'm this, this, and this, you don't know who I am. (laughs) yeah but it's that's it's not at the point of the question but someone who materialistic materialistically like rules this world they wouldn't even get the question anyway because who am i would be like bitch who i am yeah you want to see all my followers yeah um that's who i am but they would miss the whole question Anyway, I love the add-on because the backwards, in fact, if you were a first-time listener, kind of confused about what that actually meant, kind of puts the seal at the end, the backwards, in fact, who am I? Because you know what the interesting thing about it was? Is I considered myself in the backwards, in fact, which we also call that like 
hypnosis of life. Um, there's many different names, you know, society being asleep. Um, I was asking it in a correct way in that space, which was now that I look back, I'm kind of like, wow. Yeah. How I was pretty insightful to ask that question, but I, I knew I didn't have a clue what I was talking about, but I did know had some kind of connection within that I knew like, Hey, if I just project this out, you know, this is some kind of seed. I had some kind of like natural intuition that I knew if I, but I was in the backwards infect at the time asking it. So the contrast for me, like saying the question, who am I understanding with more knowledge and more wisdom on the journey I've been for so long. It's just kind of cool to look back and see, because I think even if, you know, first time listeners or anyone that sees that name in that, you know, the draw or the hook or the, you know, that one thing that may spark, you know, for you to hear something and it resonate are those questions that sometimes you ask, even though you're in this hypnotic space, because there's, there's like second moments of clarity that you may find yourself asking like this crazy projection seed question in the backwards. In fact, like just nonchalantly walk into the mirror and look at yourself and just for a couple seconds, who am I? And not even knowing where the motivation to ask that question is maybe suffering, maybe feeling of separation, anxiety, whatever it may be. It's pretty cool for me to compare the two and see it come all the way to the fruition that it is today, which is me looking at it in times of years. Yeah, it's a short period of time. Uh, and again, there's the whole warp time thing. It seems like yesterday I planted that seed, but we were talking about 35 years. But when you look back on it, it seems like it flew by. There's like hints from like early on, like childhood, where it's like you, you know, if man created in God's image and your consciousness is the same consciousness as the universal consciousness, and you can kind of see earlier, like the way you were, obviously when you're younger, you're more childlike and you've had less time to build up all the conditioning and all the constructs. And there are some like interesting questions that come out of that time. Like you can, you can see them clearly like in fatherhood, like when they're still in that state and you can kind of remember, but like one of them's like, is the color red that I see the same color red that you see? Like you used to ask that when you were little, like what I see blue, is that the same thing that you see blue or do what I see blue, you actually think is 
what I think of as yellow. Like, how do we know? Because there's no such thing as color. Color doesn't exist. There's atoms that like reflect light and they that comes into your eyes and then your eyes perceive color and then you register a color. But they, there's no such thing as color. But you're on to that like in a younger state, like you're on to like, oh, wait, who am I? Like, what's the authority? Where does the authority begin? Where does the authority stop? Like, do I have to feel like all the things that the world puts in front of me? And that's where like the diversion happens. That's like where I think you and I separated back then. Like you wholeheartedly took in that who am I question. And I think what I ended up doing was noticing little loopholes in that authority structure. And I try to grab more and more of it. Like I don't need to feel just because like the life situation has told me I have to feel who am I? I'm the authority. I'm the one that can interpret however I want to interpret. This is supposed to be a bad day. No, I'm not feeling that. I'm going to make it my day. So there's like, there's a specific fork in the road back there that I can see when you're telling that story. And you're taking that question wholeheartedly and you're taking it in the right direction. But there's a whole other diverted direction you can go in. And that's when you start practicing at a young age, playing that authority, stamping down the feelings. And that's what starts to get you in trouble. As I watched my kids grow up and they're up, you know, Skylar's an adult now. I see a lot of similarities in a firstborn child. Like there's there's this certain path that the firstborn child is going to go as far as headstrong. In the secondborn, at least in my family, I see it the same way, even though they're girls and we were boys. And there's different constructs built and different systems used for, you know, defense mechanisms and whatever you want to call it. But the mechanics of what you're talking about doing, I think it has some kind of resemblance of like firstborn versus secondborn. And then, you know, obviously I have a thirdborn, which she's the perfect child. So we won't talk about that. Once you get to number three, it's perfection. So first one, two, if you only have two, then what? (laughs) But there, there seems to be, because I know a lot of firstborn people. And then, you know, I know a lot of secondborn people. There seems to be a common denominator with that firstborn and that type of construct and what you use for the contract. I mean, you can use many different things. You, you use like your intellect mass masterfully to just create your own structure. I'm not saying every firstborn does that exactly, or they may use systems to do it and are in place or whatever, but it seems to bring true. 
as like uh, just an order thing. There, I mean, there's science behind that. I mean, they've there's data behind that. Um, there is the firstborn, like in terms of um, statistically more successful, more driven, better grades, better wage. I mean, there there's a data set there um, that's pretty consistent. And I, I think it's just the, in general, the parental figures just like have all their expectations of procreation, like in that firstborn. So like the, you know, you stay on them with grades longer and harder, but by the second one gets there, they've kind of relaxed that position. So I, there's there's definitely evidence behind what you're saying, not necessarily between you and I, but I mean, just in general. And so, I mean, but if that data exists, then like what's happening like on a much more subtle spiritual level? Like if there's all this tangible data that exists that like proves what you're saying, what what's the underlying very subtle like splitting hairs spiritual level of development or that development through strength that's actually not necessarily spiritual development at all I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, the expectation in the first child maybe is a little bit too high. So the pressure or inadvertently it's, it's put too much on the first child as opposed to a little bit more hands off on the second child. Cause there's almost yeah. a sigh of, and in our situation, like with the third child, it really is like a, a really big deep breath. Like I, I know so much about her and, and feel like me and, my wife know where to exactly be hands off a lot. And, and, and a lot of times what, especially lack of experience, you'd, you're more hands on, but now it's more like where are the areas I need to be hands off, which is about 95% of the, the area. Right. Right. And that's a huge contrast from the first kid. I mean, the yeah. first kid's the exact opposite. It's You're bringing like opposite. the entire responsibility of what you think procreation is supposed to be and what your responsibility is in it. And you're jamming it into those first two years. Yeah. And then you're not letting up. Yeah. You know, and, and so you're probably making mistakes and then fighting against those mistakes. Yeah. It's, it's a much more. And I, I can remember clearly, I mean, it, it's a jolt to the system. I mean, you feel so much responsibility and you don't have the tools, like you said, to like take that breath and realize it's much more of a hands off maneuver to do it correctly. But you that goes against what you're feeling, which is this huge wave of responsibility, unlike anything you've ever felt before. So you think demands like a ton of action. Yeah. And I think that's where kind of, I think that's where it goes wrong. 
So it's not even that it goes wrong. It's just a natural process. Yeah, it's just definitely like a collective generational thing that happens with anytime you know someone starts a family. You're talking about the firstborn and and what happens, whether it's with good intentions or bad intentions or however you may see it. I think I see, I mean, when you're speaking, I can understand, like you're talking about the pressure and all I can see is you like trying to say, okay, where do I build these constructs to, to make this system work? Yeah. At a very you young age. Fe- yeah. You start feeling the pressure and then you're devising systems and again, it's it's really funny, like to hear you talk about who am I not. I mean, now we're much more unified in that pursuit. But when I think about it back then, like I did have some like, I don't remember it being real specific, like who am I? But there was a lot of like self-examination, like what, where is the responsibility? Like, what am I responsible for? And then... I just said, well, I'm responsible for everything. And so what does that mean? That means I'm going to do whatever I have to do to feel okay. I mean, that's really just what it boils down to. But when you start out like that, I mean, because when you're young, it's more like survival. It's more like it is just to feel okay. It is, but then it kind of morphs and it's like, well, if I can feel okay, can I feel good? And then it morphs. Well, if I can feel, I can feel good all the time. But by that time, like you're older, you're like late teen, like young adult, but now you're just feeling good, but you're not worried about the consequences of the stuff going on around you. So it becomes really narcissistic because I mean, you're just putting all your investment in feeling good. So it doesn't matter if you're you know, hurting people or whatever, you're just invested in that. But that's just, it's like, it's a slow progression to that. It's not like you just wake up as a narcissist one day. I mean, you, you work towards that. And then you just, you get so good at it that you can even learn lessons like to lessen the trail of hurt. That's what's so crazy. Like, you you get so much better at it that you it's not even anymore that like you leave like a trail of hurt behind you 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 even learn to resolve that and you keep moving and the next thing you know like you're just this well-oiled machine that knows how to make yourself feel pretty good like most of the time. So it's almost like, what's the complaint? How would you ever wake up out of that scenario? As you're speaking, I'm understanding your awakening too more. I mean, it's almost, it's the difference in my awakening and your awakening. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I could have said to you, Hey, Kane, you, you understand if you go meditate for three times a day for two weeks, and it's going to put you in a blissful state and you're going to have that experience that you had based on that. I wouldn't have got past your construct. Absolutely not. Yeah. 
No, I wouldn't even. It wouldn't even come close because you'd be like, "What? What's the blissful state in two weeks?" I mean, you would have found some way to say, "I'm good," or how, so. It almost has to, in your situation, happen the way it happened. Yeah, because there would be no state that you could promise me that I wouldn't understand that I could give myself. That's, I mean, you want to offer me a blissful state. Like, you don't understand how good I feel on a Friday night to sit down and have a Jameson. <laughs> like, you you don't, there's nothing you can offer me. Like, that feels amazing. Especially in that state I'm at because you do get some construct exhaustion. But, I mean, now that's built into the system. So to get rest from that exhaustion i mean it's a truly blissful state that's what it is i mean not only that but like that friday night blissful state all it, that'll start at nine o'clock in the morning on friday just thinking about it that'll get me through the entire day on friday just thinking about how good that Jameson time is going to be later. It's bliss all day. Just because you know it's coming. So yeah, when you're saying like, I'm going to offer you bliss. I mean, it's at, it's just something I didn't need. Something I already had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally understand the awakening more and more. I mean, I, I, I understand your awakening. I've seen it happen before, but in your case, as opposed to like Eckhart Tolle, like Eckhart Tolle, here's the difference though. Like that's why we got like three examples. You, you know, having that narcissistic view, it it's almost like you would overcome your suffering with that. Eckhart Tolle was like, I'm fixing to kill myself. Like right now I can't live with myself. You are yeah. making the case that you are living perfectly fine with yourself. Yes. I never heard you talk about killing yourself. That might even, and even if you did have the thought of killing yourself, I'm not saying that people don't have morbid thoughts. You would have defeated that in about a half a millisecond. Correct. Yeah. Barely would have crossed my mind. But even if you I mean, if you I can't go, stop thoughts, it's it it is what it is. But you're you what you're you would have defeated that in your system. Yeah, I would not have entertained it at all. Yeah, certainly not. And then, I mean, the question, I mean, if for somebody like if the old version of me is listening right now, it's like, then what the hell are you even talking about? And that's just, <laughs> it's, I, I can hear myself listening to this podcast. I'm like, what are you even talking about then? Like, what, what is this journey? Like, what is like, it doesn't make any sense. And it's just, there's like a range of feeling in the body. And that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I don't 
necessarily like know how to relate it to anybody because it's so personal and it's just the experience and I wouldn't know how to um I don't even know how to tell somebody I mean I can just I can describe it but there's something where the the body and like your interaction with it becomes um you know habitual there's like a, there's a pattern like it's i've been in this body for 46 years like there's a range of motion there's a range of feeling there's a there's no surprises but then there's a surprise that's and so something changes where stuff syncs up in ways that I can't really understand and I don't know exactly how it happened. But then that range of motion and now there's like something rising, but there's no reason for it. It's not like a reaction to something. I mean, I had a conversation with you, but none of it makes sense in terms of it would have stirred like that much up in me. And then just to have it like completely redline in a direction that you didn't know was possible. And so now instead of like looking forward to like a Friday night bliss, now it's just like boiling out of you and you can't explain how or why. And then you look into it a little bit and it's like, oh my God, other people have had this happen to them. (laughs) And then you're, and so, you know, there's some truth there, but that's, it's always funny for me because like, I don't understand how anybody gets on this ride without the experience. I mean, that's everything driving me forward now is just like, I can't believe that experience. And it's, and it's, you can't forget it. You can't, um, I mean, it doesn't go away. I mean, I, I don't feel exactly the way I felt then, but I mean, that experience means something. (laughs) That experience is like, it's a, not only is it something that you can experience with your body, but in the aftermath, you're like left with like, oh, like there is way deeper truth there than I ever understood. And that's the whole, that's the whole thing. It's it's almost at that point, it's just like a matter of self-respect. Like, and it's funny because even when I think about like Friday night bliss, like going back, like I don't have this I don't have the system of justifications to even pull it off anymore. It like I don't have I don't have the ability to I can hear myself before like you know you you work hard <laughs> that's um, that's, the, that, that's a good one. <laughs> you <yeah>. work hard. <laughs> you work hard. You're you're a good dad, you know. <laughs> 
you do all these things and it's like you can come home and have some friday night fun time like you've earned that like i don't have that system anymore like that that when i say that to myself now i'm that's where my who am i comes in yeah i see that clearly when i say that stuff now i'm like well i'm not that guy I'm not that guy sitting around justifying bad behavior to make myself feel better. I'm not that moron. (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of what we've always said, like me working forwards and you working backwards, because that who am I is is the same kind of thing. It's just backwards where you're at now by saying, what is going on? Who am I? Yes. You know what I mean? It's a different it's a different tone, but it's completely the same question. Yeah. It's the same question as an eight-year-old boy, as that tone there, as I say it now, who am I? It's the same t- it's the same thing. Yeah, who is this master inside me who catches every time I try to lie to myself? who is that guy (laughs) he's getting on my nerves (laughs) the mechanics of it are pretty remarkable when you think about it it is I think um Yeah, I lost my train of thought. It's okay. I was going to start off the program with the who am I bit. seems as though we've gone down that road. But um, as we talked on the previous two podcasts, I I seem to – this is where you just said the experience – and you can't get away from that experience. And I feel like the path being pulled in this direction as far as mystical and all the stuff that, you know, I even awakened. I mean, I, hell, I would have I would have dove down this. But where I was at, I was peaceful, though. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't yeah. – I didn't – but it was a it's different kind of peaceful. I understand what you're talking about. But when I meditate and everything's fine and I'm – I'm, I feel whole. I had no aspirations to go further into a deeper spiritual path where I think some of these avenues can take you when you came on and had your experience. And now we're doing this podcast and for the sake of the podcast, if nothing else, just for conversation, it seems to be pushing us in a direction of, well, we're going to talk every Tuesday night. We might as well just open every freaking door, you know? And we might as well just keep opening doors and keep opening doors. And for me, it's good because I had, I mean, and to get complacent, I don't even think there's anything wrong with that. Let me be really clear. Like if you have an awakening and you find peace and you, 
you have a family or you're single or whatever you are and and you don't even want to share it with anyone you don't want to write a book you don't want to podcast you don't want to know anything about astral projection i think that's perfectly fine too like the whole goal is for you to find peace and wholeness and what you want to do with that is what you want to do with that you know that's that's the whole goal is wholeness and in my opinion as far as the path and in in finding that Having said all of that, it seems like me pairing up with you, we inevitably knew that we were going to do something and the podcast was just like the perfect scenario. We're like, yeah, we, we need to speak at least once a week. Like we're talking on the phone. It just needs to happen. And that leads us in directions of, you know, different topics and, going down rabbit holes and talking to different people. One of the things we've been on the last couple of podcasts is dreams, astral projection and kind of where that's taken us. You were talking about your experiences. Those two experiences that I had are kind of like awakening experiences. It's not going to let me get off of this path. Like I can't <laughs> yes. do that. And then not, I'm not saying we'll talk about this every single Tuesday night, but I'm saying like right now, like the focus for me is like, why did this die off? And, and I'm, I'm looking at the moon cycles, which I've never looked at before. Tomorrow's a, a full moon. But basically the last two podcasts, I had an astral story. And I guess the last week, it seems like a long week, but I I started to have lucid dreams where the bridge work was getting like really it's going to be hard to explain but I was almost I told you even on the last podcast I was almost like I woke up and I hadn't even slept so your awareness is in overdrive even when you're sleeping like you can feel that when you wake up which is it, it aids in the bridge work because you know you're you're doing a lot to bring those memories back. So I got into I guess right after the podcast because it's only been a week, and I started to have like lucid dreams and they're all over the place, um, and I was unaware, and then I called you a couple times after them. Like you yeah, have this feeling of disgust. Like I'm, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, you know, I've had these astral moments where I took my consciousness to a place far away and had these experiences, and now I have these feelings of like regression. Like I'm, I'm falling back, or like I jumped out the window in the astral and descended down a few levels, and I'm looking at myself and I'm doing bizarre things. I'm like. And it's just that, you know, kind of lucid dreams, they're real, obviously, but, you know, looking at yourself unaware is like completely different than being in aware consciousness in the astral. Like, you're not going to do any stupid shit as aware consciousness in the astral because none of the things that draw us away from consciousness here, they didn't even 
they're not even like there's no thought in the astral. It's just your consciousness is moving and interacting, right? And I think you saw some of that too with your Phoenix moment. Like there's no there's no like attachments that's gonna make me feel gross in that place. Like it doesn't right. exist. So when you go back and you look at those lucid things and then you wake up, you can't help but like feel like disgusted. Like, what am I doing? Like what how do I go from that to that? So I'm observing it. I go to, I think, the last two nights where it's been basically dreamless. And when I say this, I mean I don't remember. Um, and no bridge work as far as my memory here in the physical. So it. And now when I go to sleep, it's almost like when I was having those moments a couple of weeks ago where I was really aware, I would it was almost a level of excitement when I laid down and I had this awareness that I knew that same awareness was going to be there when I woke up. But right now, like outside of my control, I feel like I don't have anything. Like I know when I lay down, I can be aware, but I, I now understand like when I lay down, like there's no chance if I shut my eyes, but two weeks ago, it was completely different. And it seems to be completely out of my control. So then I started looking at the moon cycles and I'm like, well, could this all be related? Like we're building up to a full moon. We're talking about the last seven days. So we're, we, tomorrow is a full moon. And that's the end of, I guess, a moon cycle. And, uh, I guess December 8th and 9th would be, you know, that full moon would be tapering off and then it goes back to like a waning crescent like pretty much no moon. Yeah. So I'm really based on what I just told you, I'm interested on tonight. Well, not tonight, tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow night, which are right on a full moon. So if I have the kind of nights that I have, like I just get completely unaware. I'm like, feel like I'm relating it to moon cycles. <clears throat> yeah, it's certainly a possibility. I mean, it's definitely something that I, that I think we should watch. Um, I, I think I'm leaning towards something more personal. I, I think there's pr- there's probably. I mean, just think about the tide. I mean, the tide comes in. I mean, it it physically affects like the energy like on the planet. So, I mean, yeah, I think there's. So, so think about like an energy tide. There has to be all types of like energy tides that are hitting us cosmically like all the time. So I think there's. Moon cycles and uh, astrology type stuff. I think that's definitely just like energy tides that are coming in that you could um, sync up with good timing if you know what you're doing. I definitely think that's probably the case. But in terms of like what you're talking about, where you're having 
streamlined astral experiences and then that's moving towards the witnessing of your own unawareness i think that is much more of like an internal process like for um in the gnostics talk about the seven deadly sins in terms of seven capital cities so think about like literal cities inside you greed wrath lust sloth i mean so all seven as capital cities and then like think about like your ethereal self your energy self think about it as like rapids in a river with like a bunch of rocks in the river and when you're ready for like an astral experience like you've got that clear and you've got like good flow coming through but i think it's always in motion i think like you knock one big boulder out of the way but it moves the water in a way and now there's like a whirlpool over here and there's like other rocks there like it's you're always knocking stuff out of the way and and building other constructs so you're always playing with that flow and I think sometimes it's flowing just the way it needs to be in order to project your energy body and your consciousness out. And sometimes you, 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 you've created blockages, possibly even by opening blockages. Because you, you keep saying like, um lucid on the unaware what what i think has happened and i think it's happened to both of us is like dreaming has just changed for us so for you and i from this moment on if we dream and it's a regular dream like just a regular dream we there's so much awareness in the download in the morning, that's the first thing you notice when you look back on yourself. I wasn't aware. And then that download is part of the memory in the dream, but you're also downloading like the mechanism of that thing's unawareness. Like, why is that guy like hiding under a table in fear? But then like you can feel and witness what that guy is doing and i think that's the way that it's supposed to go but you said it and i said it we didn't do that we saw it and we felt it for a second and we rejected it with disgust so you you've you've put more boulders in the river and you've changed the flow so now that energy flow you had where you were popping out into the astral when you had a regular dream, like for you and I, I think that's just where we're at now. Those are regular dreams. If you have a dream and you can remember, it's going to be from the point of view of awareness looking in on non-awareness. And so the responsibility is whatever you feel, you just have to feel. 
but that's not what we did. What we felt, we were, we both said like that thing is unaware and we both got disgusted. But all you're doing there is pushing that away, but there's nowhere, there's no nothing to put. It's all in you. There's nowhere to push it away to. It's just blocking up the river and messing up the flow. So I just think it's more discipline on our part in terms of whatever that thing is, whether I'm I'm afraid under the table, like I just need to witness and feel that fear. You can't push it away. You got to feel it. And that goes for whatever else is going on in there. But when you when you see like those seven capital cities and you realize like the stuff you're going to have to feel, it's like, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that feeling would be after you wake up. Yes. Yes. Most of it. Because so straight into a meditation in another room and just sit with it. So in my original awakening, those first two weeks, this is why I was so adamant about the dream stuff. Correct. In the beginning. I think you should go down that road of explaining that again, too, because I think it's really relevant. Well, there's not to break there's certainly, point, but there's certainly like the, um, the astral projection, I mean, that part we've talked about a lot, but there's another part where there's just multiple mornings, and I mean, probably like six, and they're like strewn in a row. And I'm just, I'm waking up like just completely emotional and in tears. I don't know why it does. I mean, it doesn't even really hurt or anything. It's just, I'm super emotional. And that's, way out of character for me but you you know you're processing stuff with family you're processing st- you don't even know at ba- back then like i didn't even understand the download i'm just waking up in tears but that's that's the process to actually process those emotions that were bubbling up But you and I, we get so good in terms of that download. And what we're doing is we're going super mental construct heavy. Like, why is that happening? Why am I feeling that? Like, why is that guy doing that? And of course, it's discussed. I mean, and it's discussed automatically. Not that whatever that guy's doing is disgusting. We just know he's asleep. That's where the disgust comes from. You don't even want to be associated with him because he has no awareness. You don't want anything to do on him. You don't want to feel anything that he's feeling. But when I contrast the two, obviously in those first two weeks, I didn't know what I was doing, but clearly I was doing it right back then because that's what was causing the state of... Um, of bliss that, you know, you can't explain. Yeah, it's, 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 
I mean, when I'm in the flow doing it right, I hate to use the word right, but when I had those experiences in the astral where I'm feeling like certain type of energy level in having those experiences, there's something going on to where I'm not using any effort to accomplish what I'm accomplishing. Like the only thing I'm trying to do is, is awareness, but everything you just said like makes perfect sense. But there's an, an awakening and then there's, and we we've probably all done it with the exception of that. I, I don't know. I can't see intimate details about Eckhart Tolle, but I guess it depends on how much time you have. We both have jobs. So you still have to jump into that mental game and something as simple as what you just said, like using your brain to analyze a lucid dream. You didn't do that in the first two weeks. Right. Like that it was an effortless see it, feel it, and dissolve it. Right. There was nothing. So I think, yeah, I mean, seeing those subtle things and seeing, man, whatever. And for lack of better words, I'm using words like that as a mistake. I, I don't see it as a mistake um, everything on this path is a journey and a, a growing and learning experience. But the, for lack of a better word, the mistake of doing that has shut me down. Um, but I mean, well, I'm not saying it's not going to open back up, but the dynamics of what you're talking about with the energy in the river is like, whoa, because it has me where, I'm still excited when I go, like, I really haven't lost the enthusiasm. When I lay down, I'm like, man, this night could be crazy. I think any night could be insane. Like, I am in full expectation that I'm going to go to bed aware. I'm going to wake up in the astral, and I'm, based on what I told you, I'm going straight up until I find it. And that doesn't change. But then I wake up in the morning, I'm like, Wow. You were enthusiastic last night for what? <laughs> yeah. For what? To go sleep. <laughs> if if you if you break it down like you have you know the experience the who am I? It's really it's it's the experience happening in front of you. So that's your life situation. That's just like the movie that's always playing in front of you. Then you have your mind that's always chatting away. It always wants to talk. And then you have your emotions. That's really the only three inputs. But then I think once you get on like the level and, you know, I don't want to claim like some kind of level here, but if you get on the level where you can meditate in the morning and meditate in the evening, that's a really good level to be on. Like if you're just committed to that, I think that's like the next level. Like, and it doesn't take a lot. Just like if you can meditate 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening, because if you do that, what you're going to realize is like, there's a fourth input. There's another input. That's not my life experience. That's not something in my mind that I'm thinking and it's not an emotion. 
It's the river of energy that flows through me. And the reason why it's interesting if you meditate in the evening and in the morning, because it's different. In the morning, it's humming. In the morning, your mind is clear. Your emotions are regulated naturally. And you get the sensation of energy just flowing through your body. When you meditate in the evening, it's way more messy. You're dealing with like all the crap that you put in through the day. You're kind of trying to calm down. It's a different process. So you can see that the whole nighttime process is actually like rest and relaxation to put you back in that state. There's like a cycle that's happening there. And so that river, but when when you use that state, so what what we kind of committed to over the last two weeks is like, yes, you can do this work. You can um, you can get super intense with being present, staying in the moment of now, always returning to the breath. Like that's something you do in your wakeful day. But you can, and this is what we did. You can double time it. You can start to use that nighttime process as well. Commit to that nighttime process as well. But what you're doing when you do that is you take that river that's like full of boulders and full of rapids and you just rearrange it. And now there's like where there were whirlpools and blockages. Now those have all shifted. And there's whirlpools and blockages over here. Because whatever you release, like if you take one big boulder out and you release it, it that's gone. And maybe there's like more flow in that really specific direction, but it's also creating backflows and stuff in other directions. So it's like this constant work of progress that I think is going to be a cycle, but I think it's more of a cycle that's personally in you and personally in me as well as working on a cycle. That's also in the, it's like as above, so below, but like us and that cycle now, like it's, it's effortless. Like it's not a cycle we're putting ourselves on. It's a cycle that we just go through. And like you knock enough stuff out of the way and then it'll start ramping up. Like last night for me, I had that, night where not last night night before where it's like i just lay in bed i feel like i'm conscious all night like that one is it's it's like a stage it's like a stage in the cycle like now i'll do that a bunch now where my consciousness is obviously getting stronger my awareness is getting stronger through that time where it's just from my point of view it feels like I just stayed with awareness all night long. And the only thing that's weird about it is the time doesn't match up. Like, it doesn't seem like I was there that long and then the alarm goes off. I'm like, well, I guess I'm getting up now. <laughs> but it didn't wake you up. The alarm didn't wake you up. You are already awake. Yeah. When you were speaking, I something just dawned on me again. And I'm going to have to ask Patty. The baby sleeps on our bed a lot during the day when Skylar's at work, if it's napping. 
big king size bed. So lay the baby in the middle and a lot of times she takes her naps there. About, I'm going to see the time frame on this, but the baby doesn't like sun rays. Obviously we get a lot of moonlight through the window. Patty hung a black blanket on the window and it's been there for about a week now. And I can tell you me, I'm just seeing it in my mind's eye. Like when I sleep, when I'm aware and I wake up, like moonlight comes in our window, like crazy. Like a, it's, it's like a street light, you know, so I can see it. I'm just now remembering that that's been hanging there for like a week. So it's not letting any type of moonlight in at all. Which I don't know if it's a direct correlation, but I, that is something different that happened physically in our room. Her hanging that dark blanket to block the sun rays. And it's up there when we sleep. But I'm realizing it's more darker in our room as well. But our window is, is like right above, like there's a little window right above our bed. So when I'm sleeping, like I, like I could see moonlight on the back of my eyelids. It's like a street light. It doesn't bother me, but I mean, a, a faint moonlight. Right. You know I mean, like there's, a, even if the blinds are closed, you just cracks in the window with a black blanket over the thing. Like nothing comes in that changed in the last week. Watch, I'm going to take that thing down tonight, and I'm going to the astral. <laughs> oh, my God. Tonight's almost a full moon, and tomorrow's a full moon. And we're sitting here talking. <laughs> we're talking about working shit out. And I'm like, nope, sorry. It was just the moonlight. <laughs> I was blocking it. just the blanket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all in good fun. It was fun breaking down my unawareness, but I'm good. It was just really dark in my room, so I was going to some dark places. <laughs> uh, on that note, I don't see me reading any other books except on this subject, and I just found a good one on Audible, it seems like, at all five stars. Adventures Outside the Body by William Bullman. Does that ring a bell? No. I saw it just picking through, kind of like how you pick through books. I downloaded it yeah. about 15 minutes before the. I actually started listening to it. I haven't got too far into it. But when I think about listening to a book now, I mean, I love all the people out there that speak truth. And I do find comfort in it and could listen to them all day. But this is what I want to listen to right now. Like this, I'm this sure. subject is what I want to listen to and adventures outside the body. And it's an eight hour long book. You know, we both have a lot of windshield time. So, I mean, that's what I'm being drawn to. That's what I'm being pulled to right now. in in this direction, and it's based on what you said, ex- experiences. Yes. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to argue with those experiences. Yeah. They, um, It seems to it seems to just be like the path of illumination. I mean, that's really it's just the path of that's where it seems like all the answers are, like going in that direction. And um yeah, I mean that's 
I'm right there with you. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else. Um, I mean, I was in the shower this morning uh, other than that. And I did do have a pool to, I don't know why, but I was, I was in the shower and I'm like, man, it's time for us to start bringing some controversial people on the show. Like that brings the people on here to disagree with us, brings the people on here that are in a belief system, bring, you know what I'm, I don't know where that came from. I like this path, but I like the path of like some, some controversy, you know? Yeah. Someone on here is just sold on their belief system and wants to tell us why. And then have an honest debate about it. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. that be fun? <laughs> it would. <laughs> I don't know how long it would last, but <laughs> it'd be fun. <laughs> to the tune of like, yeah, I'm, always... I'm seeing visions like, hey, should I pull into this place here and like go in and say, hey, we got a podcast. Would you like to come on and discuss it? Right. Yeah, I. There's something about like the antagonistic nature of it. I mean, I just I just get it. Like, I, I don't I don't know necessarily how to explain it to somebody or I I just can see too clearly like the the intellect that was there before and I I just don't know how you break through so it's I'm certainly more maybe we should just in the astral we can start inviting people on the pod. I like that idea a lot I I think that's where it's at yeah like I said yeah. if that ever happens it's gonna be yeah. Uh, I, and, and this guy started off too. He's like, I, before I ever did this and most people in the astral and me too, like if you want to, after awakening, I didn't think I, I wasn't skeptical. I knew this was probably an option after awakening. Did I ever think that it would be me? I didn't think I was like myst- mystical enough, but you know, if I would have listened to Gene Hart, I'd be like, well, that's his path. That's great. And, but I would in no way doubt Gene Hart does what he does even after awakening 20 years ago, 50. So I, in a skeptic in that sense, I'm not a skeptic for myself is what I want. Right. Right. After doing it, I'm no longer a skeptic of myself. And that's huge just because I didn't expect myself to have those kind of experiences. And once you lose that type of skepticism, which is, completely different than just like, Oh, I'm skeptical of psychics or whatever it may be. That's that does that hasn't existed for me for a while, because even if, you know, say a psychic, you know, they're doing something they're, they're, they're manipulating you or something like a magician is doing. So you can be skeptical of him, but he's still fooling you. Like he's doing it. You can be skeptical of the process but he's still performing magic in front of you because your perception of it is it's real. I mean, it is what it is. So like the general skepticism, that's been gone for a while. Personal skepticism. I just thought people were on their own journey and I love them for it and I could see it and I could understand it. I just didn't ever think it would be me. And now I feel 
pulled in that direction as other directions as well. One, you know, what we talked about. And, uh, but I'm excited about some guests who might be about to come on as well too. I'm, I'm super excited because it's, it's, it's fine to have more in-depth conversations about spirituality that agree with us as well too. But I, from the very beginning before me and you awakened, I, I called you and was like, man, wouldn't this be the best idea ever? And I told it to you and you're like, that's freaking awesome, dude. That, that would be like appointment television. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't let that experience go. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know how to let that experience go because I, you know, one of the questions we had or I had to you was like that state originally and like, you know, to what degree could I hold on to that state and can you like reach back and can you get back to that state and like that specific state i think it's difficult because there's such a there's such a coming uh, for lack of a better word coming to jesus moment you know there's such and you can't really duplicate that but then when you start to realize like this little, the little work that you do when you accept stuff that you need to feel. So, you know, like anger or, or sadness or like grief or whatever you're doing in your waking life. And then you understand the way you start to do that in your dreaming life. So it's like, okay, whatever I do in the day, there's a, there's a, another version of that process I can do at night. So now like you're working both sides day and night, but what the astral does is like that opens up a door of like, who knows what you could be releasing that's holding you back like that's the whole thing is like can you let go of more and more of yourself can you let go of more and more of that like history that even in your state of awareness and in my state of awareness how much shit inside of us are we not aware of that goes back even before we were here in form. Like, so, so you've, you've taken the process. So, you know, we started on our waking life, then you move it to your dreaming life. And it's like just making that transition sooner or later, you'll have some kind of astral experience. It seems like, it seems like it's just a matter of committing to like that double time work. And then it's like you said, you just need that one experience. But now, like, what it offers you is vision into yourself deeper than you ever thought possible. And so now, 
when I go back and I ask that question, like what kind of states can we achieve? Dude, I think that there are states that we can achieve of just like humming bliss. I, that's where like, so for me, like I'm trying to get back to that state and there's lots of pitfalls and lots of ways to analyze it that are going to mess you up because you can't really reach back to that state. But the process is letting go of more and more of yourself. And you can see it in the daytime. You can see it in the nighttime. But as soon as like that astral opens up, like, man, there is so much opportunity to learn how to let go of more yourself because it's going in in such deeper ways than you even realize was possible. I think that's the promise of it. I think so too. Even after your your experience, I mean, you learned a lot those last couple of days, or you know, a couple of days after it was almost like a, a little mini awakening. You had learned a lot about yourself. The lucid dreaming for me, um, when I saw the unawareness, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> completely lost my train of thought when you saw your own unawareness yeah yeah because you you don't you turn on it like there's something about like it, it, it's like a progression thing where we're at now if you witness yourself in a state of unawareness like that's brutal oh yeah i remember waking up and it being like Whenever I say to myself in the morning, was that my subconscious? I feel like I'm asking myself, well, that's that's a part of me that I don't realize is inside of me. So I was seeing something I didn't know was there. So it led to that disgust. I was like, that type of unawareness is like residing in me. And then yes. that's that's what I saw it as. I'm like, okay, so I need to do subconscious work. <laughs> like now I'm like, right. okay. I'm in what, how do we do that? And it's exactly how you just explained it over the last few minutes, I think is subconscious work is seeing it and feeling it and letting it dissolve out of you. I mean, and just continuing to do that work and find that flow again because there's, there's definitely some, yeah, I am paying attention to the cycles of the moon and, and seeing how all that plays into it. But yeah, you're definitely right. You got to just keep shedding and man, where I was at in those astral experiences, it's almost like if you keep progressing in that, it's almost like you're just going to become unstoppable. And I don't mean that in an ego type of way. Um, but whatever it is that wants to show me something, it's like, wait a second, you know, you want to, you want to fly to the astral and 
start the training program and you still have this nasty subconscious. Do you see this? Right. Right. I mean, that's. And I, I mean, I think that's everybody. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's nothing like, it's not as if like you're disgusted with like what's going on. Like you, you have enough awareness to just know it's all crap. It's, it's that, it's that I think where we made our mistake is we weren't ready for the brutalness of like witnessing your own unawareness. Like that's kind of hard to explain to somebody like, like that is a, it's a, I don't, there's something about it. And that's what I mean. There's, it's just like a progression thing. Like, I don't think that a lot of people could even understand, but I think like you move, you move into a level that's different from where everybody else. Cause I can remember like when I used to dream, like I used to, I used to have like a dream and let's say, you know, something happened. I mean, it maybe it wasn't good or bad, but you kind of have that sensation like, you know, was that me or was I like in another body? Like, was I another person? And like, that was the dream. That's the way like you used to interpret it. So I think like, that's how most people interpret it. Like you wake up and it's a little confusing where you're like, I'm not even sure if that was me. Like, was I somebody else in my dream? And you kind of just like, let that confusion go and it doesn't really bother you. But the way you and I see it now is clearly that's me but i don't even effing know it like clearly that's me but he is so unaware and he's like in me it's like a way more jarring sensation but it's like you've moved into like a new realm of dreaming like that's just dreaming for you and i now like that's that's going to happen every single time we dream. So our discipline is like and again, like I heard Gene Hart say it, but I mean that something about those first two weeks I was doing it naturally. It was because the stillness when I woke up in the morning was it was literally like the consciousness was coming way online before the mind and the body. Like totally effortless, total like not trying to like wake up and fight the ego about being still, like not not anything like that. It was just like boop, oh, I'm here. Oh, look at here. I'm laying in my body. Damn, I am relaxed right now. Super relaxed. I can just sit. I mean, of course I'm not talking to myself like that, but I'm just witnessing. Like Waking up, feeling the body relaxed, and then just whoosh, like huge waves of emotion. Huge waves of emotion. Don't even know, didn't even know how to download, didn't even know how to process. Like that didn't even matter. And so I, I just think that what you've done recently is we. it's just... You set your your intention on spiritual growth, 
and you've done it so clearly that you've just moved into this next level of subconscious awareness with your dreams. One of the obvious ones, obviously with men like lust is an easy one to pick up on. You know, you see this and you're like, wow, you know, that lives in the subconscious realm. One of the things that I recognized as unawareness what on this one was anger. And, you know, we all have that, you know, person in our life that's like really easy to resent, like quietly. I'm not even saying like you're projecting anger in the physical. And I'm not talking about immediate family or anything. I'm just saying like that one person, two people, three people that comes around every once in a while, you, everyone knows who that person is in their life. That's just, it's like an easy thing. Like you just want to resent this person because of how they act or how they might inadvertently antagonize or they're just an easy target for your resentment because they deserve it. Right. (laughs) Because they deserve it. (laughs) Right. And in that lucid dreams, one of the things that I was like, I know that's my subconscious because this type of person that's easy to resent showed up in my dreams. And in my dreams, I was looking at myself and I was pointing my finger and I had so much anger in that dream. I'm like, I woke up, I'm like, that son of, he was so angry. And I'm talking about in this life, like a post awakening, you could have like a subtle resentment. I'm talking about like a split second that in the, in this dream, it was magnified to like, like, putting the finger on top of the upper lip and like just like making a point of anger like that kind of magnification of act of anger and i was looking at it i'm like there's that kind of anger in my subconscious like that kind of anger that's where the disgust was coming from like the lust things are sometimes obvious so like wow you can get caught up in that like you can almost like well i kind of get that you as a guy, you, you see those traps. You're like, yeah, I I saw where I got caught up in that. But like when the anger right. pops up, you're like, did I did I miss something? Because it's been a long time since I've been that angry. And that's somewhere in the subconscious. So a lot of the disgust for me that time was that because on the spiritual path, like – one of the things that you feel like you have buttoned up really good is anger. Like, like we've talked about road rage before, you know, I've just, um, Hayden gotten a fender bender, uh, Friday. And, you know, I think the bumper is going to need to be replaced. It wasn't her fault, but you know, it's just one of those things that happens in life. And, uh, Someone saw it and he was like, doesn't that just make you angry? Like he was starting to get angry. Like it was, like it was rising up in him. And I was like, what the car? <laughs> like I had zero emotion about that damn bumper. Like I could care less about like, even if the, I wouldn't have wanted the car totaled because Hayden might have got injured, but it, it's, it's a fender. Like zero emotion. Like I, I could, I did nothing. And then someone else like 
man, if that happened to me, that just, that's just stuff. Just kind of stuff just makes me angry. Like just always something, man. It makes me angry. I'm like, really? No, <laughs> I can't. Because <laughs> I'm not going to let like a bumper make me angry. Like everyone on the spiritual path pretty much understands that. So when I see that in a lucid dream, I'm like, oh my God, what in the world have I, have I just created something that resides there all the time? But um, funny story about that though, I did drive out, it happened behind our mall and Skylar was just getting off of work. So she made it there first and everything was fine. The officer wrote his report and uh, everyone was gone and me and Skylar were about to drive off and I'm talking to Skylar face to face and behind her is like the wall for the whole mall. And then you have bushes that go along the bushes and it's dark outside and outside of the bushes comes a black cat 20 feet away. And I look at the black cat and I'm like, and I take my eyes off of Skylar and I'm like, that's another black cat. It just comes out and looked at me like at the mall, like at the mall, just come out of the bushes, come across the screen. And there's always like a cut of the eyes. And then it goes right back into the bushes. I'm like, what is going on? And then I told you that was Friday night. I told you, uh, Tuesday is always trash day, so before the podcast, I always take the trash out. I pull, <laughs> I pull out of my driveway, and I take a right, and I go around the curve, and you go down a hill. At the bottom of the hill, there's a black cat staring at me, and it stays in the road until I get up to it to where you stop. It's like, okay, you can go now. Stares at me, trickles across. Never seen this black cat in the neighborhood before. Black cat goes across like whoa so whenever i see that i'm like okay i start listening and i'm 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 aware i'm looking around and <laughs> little nas star walking comes on and i don't even know if you ever heard the words of that song but whenever it doesn't even matter what genre country rap r&b uh anything that you can hear the words to the point of the music is not the genre i started listening to the words intently because i saw the black cat i'm like okay we're having a synchronistic moment here it's talking about like not giving up and you're going to fly with the stars eventually like you should look that song up tomorrow when you're working and just listen to the words that that synchronized moment it's like it's like not saying that you know, the, the song was meant for me, but, or a little Nas fan or anything like that. But I'm saying like the words that were in that synchronized moment were jumping out, like in terms of what we're talking about and in the process where we're at, where it seems to be what we feel like we're kind of stuck. And it was just like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a cool moment. 13 billion years in the making, and then you have that moment. It's interesting when it happens like that. That's why I think... I think you get 
to the astral, I mean, a lot of it ends up being like the past life discussion, which I think is hard for a lot of people to hear. I know if, if I try to examine it with like my old self, I wouldn't have been able to go there. I don't think, but it is, it brings up like some, like cause and effect type stuff where like you're talking about anger on the inside that you don't really know where it came from, but you could go back in like some astral record and realize that, I mean, you were killed the last three times that you took form with a battle ax to the forehead. You know what I mean? Like there could be deep stuff there. And so what you're doing as, because that's really all the work ends up being is that's really, it's almost like the meditation is to train you to just be aware of the right moments where you can, where you have the opportunity to let something go. I mean, that's what the awareness is for, is to to be there when you have the opportunity to let something go. So, like, as you get better at that, you could see, like, how, like, practically, practically, like, as a fractal, the universe would be like, okay, you're getting good at that level. You want to come back out to this level? And now... Like from that point of view, that level of awareness, you have like a much longer history and you start working on yourself from there. But that's why like there is no, that's why there's so much depth to the spiritual pursuit. That's why there's, that's why there's like just the direction that you can go is just infinite. I mean, that's why how you get like the Buddha example and stuff where he's like all the way back to the very beginning of conscious creation. You're getting good at it on these levels, but the astral I think is going to give the opportunity to do it on a much, you're going to know why that anger is there. Yeah, I can see it coming. That those cards that I see too, the flash cards, um, of the people I don't recognize probably gonna figure out that that's <laughs> all my past live bodies or something. It's gotta be yeah. some kind of importance to it that I don't understand, but that's what's kinda crazy too, is even you know what it's been now that I think about it too? It's like the mind's eye too. Like the mind's eye has not been as active. When I say like that bridge, even in the morning when I when I first wake up and I kind of doze into that stage one sleep, my mind's eye, I, I know when it's like super active, like that's not going on right now. Like I'm talking about like just in general too, like mind's eye activity, which is how a lot of the bridge work and the awareness goes goes through. And that's one of the things that seems to be like com- 
completely dormant right now. Um, and it's crazy because I had just started to work on like mind's eye opening and, and then it led to those experiences like with the meditation and pushing the eyeballs in and trying to root that with your root chakra. And I, I had just done all that. And it seems like open the door and shut the door real quick. Like it was, but to a less or active mind's eye than it even had before, which is kind of bizarre in itself. So mind's eye is definitely a big part of this downtrend the last couple of days. Which again, I mean, I just relate that to like, it's just, it's just the energy. It's the energy, the energy in the aura is what, in my experience, like would bring the mind's eye activation. So when I'm feeling like in the morning on a good meditation where like I start to feel the pulse in the mind's eye, like that's when you know that everything is flowing really good in the body. So I I do think it's just a, it's an, it's an aura alignment. It's a chakra alignment that is opening the mind's eye. Right. But all that is happening and that, that, that energy fluctuation, uh, that's my, I think my whole point of the night is like, there is energy fluctuations and it's fluctuating based on like the work that you're doing. And the work that you're doing is so messy that you won't necessarily be able to align it exactly the way that you want to. So you'll find yourself in states that are different than the states that were that way last week. But that's because you're in there messing stuff around. That's because you're in there doing the work. And so... A lot of it, I think, is going to end up being patience. I know Osho talks talks a lot about patience, where you would just have to learn to settle like this new aura alignment and get it back all the way up to your third eye. You know, start having experiences again, which will then knock stuff inside out of alignment. Where you and it's like a, just like continuous process which we probably will get better at as you go along. I mean, that's what another reason like for like the um, astral stuff is I think there could be like a lot of answers there. Like one of my, and talk about like setting intent for lucidity or, um, or astral awareness I mean, one of the first things I want to do is just like look at the chakras, like show me the chakras, please. Because I have a lot of questions. Like I, I imagine them as like tornadoes in the body. So like tornadoes and they come all the way up. So it's like an energy vortex that goes throughout the body. But don't forget, I mean, there's the seven chakras and then 
like there's i think there's over 100 like throughout the body so like what does that look like and if the tornadoes are like spiraling up like from your root up to your crown and basically like one big vortex that goes up like that like what happens when you lay down like do the does the vortex tilt on the axis Because sometimes when I'm laying down, I feel like it's rising up, like out of my stomach or out of my heart. If I put my hand on my heart and my stomach, it feels like it's radiating up and out that direction. But if you're like sitting cross-legged, it all's coming through up your spine. But I don't know. I don't know. But I'm thinking like if you have a moment of lucidity or you're in the astral, they must have diagrams and stuff where you can like walk around and analyze it and actually see like what's happening. What's happening if you're sitting cross-legged? What's happening if you're laying down? What's happening like in maybe other yoga positions? Do you have chakras that are, um, you know, extended in certain body positions versus others? But I think that's a lot of stuff we can learn once we learn how to ask the questions properly in there. The last time I learned how to go up, I just stopped somewhere. So I'm not stopping this time. Yes. I'm just going up, 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 up until I reach what <clears throat> we're talking about. And one of the other things I want to do is what we talked about is actually understand i'm probably not even close to like earth and understand if that's a possibility as far as physical there Um, because wherever i went with you was you know self-created image of what i thought your house looked like but you and wherever you're at obviously was an astral body but I want to know. I want to get the three words off your dresser. That's what. I'm yeah, that's do. funny. Neil deGrasse Tyson was on Rogan, and they're talking about the out of body experience in terms of the near death experience. Mm. And um, Neil deGrasse Tyson just said straight up, like he wants to run an experiment where. There's like people who die in a room, but he puts three words basically like up on a shelf where you could only see from above and see if like they could start running some experience where they put some people out of body and see if they could read what's on the shelf up above them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have no idea it's possible for me because I know what sight looks like there. Don't necessarily know where the sight comes from, but well, obviously the mind's eye, like mind's eye consciousness. I do know where the sight comes from. The, one of the first things this guy said in the book is like your consciousness is training your consciousness to go wherever it wants to go. Cause your consciousness is limitless. So when you say outer body of experience, you're, you know, it's a it's kind of a scary thing to say, but what we're really talking about, consciousness is in tandem with your mind's eye. Like those two things are, if you go, your mind's eye 
is is the eyesight for the consciousness. There's a way for your consciousness to go to other places. I now know that I need to be more specific as far as asking the question of, I think I need to discover my own house better because wherever I become aware, I'm really, really far away. So I don't even know where you live. Like if I get to this physical world, I'm going to have to have directions. And I don't mean that to be funny. I'm just saying <laughs> I, if it's actually right. physically here and I, you know, can go wherever I want to go, I'm going to need directions. I'm not going to be. A, so one of the first things I want to do is learn that eyesight, learn that consciousness in another other place, learn the specifics of it. No better place to do that with your own home. I think when I become aware and say, I want to go here on this planet and I come to this planet I obviously know how to find my house. I'll get it from the reverse. You know, I'll, I'll become aware wherever I'm at and then now come back here and then go in the front door and work on my eyesight and even look at my own three words on. And as soon as I get that, then it's all a matter. Okay. How do I find your house? And I don't even know how you tell me in that, in that regard, how do you, you get to your house? Because when I, what I'm saying is like, when I said, I want to go to Kane's house in the astral, I went to wherever you were at sleeping in the astral body. Like it's a space. Like we talk about creating spaces. Like, I know you have a two story house. I think it's wide on the outside. You know, I already know those features. So I don't know if I created that in my head. But where you were sleeping, you know, I obviously walked into a house. I walked upstairs. I walked into a room. But I can't say, like, with 100% certainty, like, that was the actual physical place of your house, which I want to be really specific about next time. But I think it starts here. I have to learn it here and... uh Because I don't think it's all knowing as far as direction. I know Gene Hart was like, "Hey, I want to go to New York City." But yeah, you can fly, you can find New York City, you can find Times Square, but I've never been to your house where you live, so I don't know if it works that way as far as exact locations. But something it might be what you were saying before, like real specific. Like it could be just like go to Kane's physical body. Uh, yeah. That even, that's not even because I'm thinking in terms of astral. Yeah. Right. And then, I mean, because you know the connection is there. And then, yeah. If you got a response from that, there should be physical stuff around my body. And then, if you can get the three words that way. Because if you're at my body, I mean, you're 10 feet from the words. Are your vehicles outside? Yes. What are they? Uh, Silver Ford 150. Yeah, I mean, 
lots of interesting experiments online where they people seem to be i mean i i can't um say that i've had these experience but i mean we're not the first ones to come up with like trying to understand like witnessing the physical world from the astral body like lots of people that are doing lots of experiments with that and i mean that according to what they say i mean they're able to go to the physical world and pick up details from the physical world and then relay those back so i mean it seems like it's kind of a, a similar starting point for people that i've been listening to in terms of when they start to initiate this process i mean everybody kind of gets that entry point where it's like what's going on here like can my astral body like interact with the physical world in terms of you know like can something be going on in that room and then i would know about it and it seems to be the answer is yes i mean if you take those experiences at face value So I think like the three words thing is just a matter of time. That'll be an epic day. I mean, if you come on the podcast and I say that I, and I, and if I do get them, I'm, I'm going to reveal them on the podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. And you're probably the only one that's going to believe me because you're the only one that knows. Well, yeah, but there's definitely that. I mean, you can't really. Yeah, it's give the experience to other people. No, you can't, but I mean, we've done a lot of work to make ourselves trustworthy too. And there's, there's a lot of people that I trust in this world that I've never met. Um, and we've done a lot of that work as far as, you know, not coming off as crazy just after awakening. So, I mean, I get it. If you just turn the program on, you're like, this guy's talking about, but if anyone's listening to us and they do a little bit of research, I mean, we've had experiences that we didn't necessarily choose, but we're now going down this path of discovery and it's pretty authentic. So anyone that listens to a couple shows understands the authenticity of, of, of the conversation. So, yeah, I mean, if you just turn it on, you're like, you heard that for the first time. I can see it, but anyone that's listening to us, I don't, you know, for any extended period of time, I, I don't necessarily see an issue with it, but. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, but there's just, there's like a, there's a belief and then there's, yeah, I don't know. There's, I guess when I like, in my state now, like I take a lot of that stuff as face value. I just take it and I listen, I take it as face value, but, um, yeah, it's, I think it's just experiences are hard to transfer from person to person. It just, it doesn't really work that way. Like it just, it's, it's just rough. It's, it's this like, that's why I, th- I think why, you know, a lot of people on the spiritual path 
and you know listen to a lot of teachers and stuff it always kind of ends up where it's like you know it's your job and your responsibility to go have these experiences yourself because that's the only way that you're really going to start to be able to understand like some of those concepts like is my consciousness tethered to my body (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Well, and it's clearly not. I mean, I mean, that just there's no way for there's no way to like get there intellectually. Like it it has to be a experience. It has to be an experience with you. So I mean, then you get in the realm where like. Okay, I've had some kind of experience, so now I can start investigating other people's experience because I'm not doing so like to debunk them. You know, I'm doing so to understand more. I mean, to see what's possible. So we got a few minutes. Um, hadn't brought up the cold water yet, but good way to close it out yeah i feel like i could feel your cold yeah how did it come out <laughs> it was good you look cold i felt cold that cold is a hard one to argue with it's de- in terms of a feeling it's december too and i'm on well water which is you know comes from the grounds it wasn't too terribly cold yesterday so the water's cold for sure but it definitely wasn't 20 degrees outside when it gets to like 20 degrees outside that water gets i mean if it's not freezing it's i mean it's the same philosophy as like running water when it freezes outside because your pipes can freeze so i mean it can get down to 33 34 whatever temperature of the water or 32 degrees but it is cold it's cold i mean it might have been in the 40s so the water yeah but i mean it's it does what it does i mean it does what's advertised it it forces you to first of all let me say like if you're having trouble with intrusive thoughts and you know you just want to jolt the system and even if you're meditating and it's just one of those meditations, you're like, I just don't seem to be getting anywhere. Like I would advise go turn the cold water on and, and get under it for at least a minute, do like a minute. And then next night do two minutes of the minute became really easy once it was up and it does get easier to do two minutes or whatnot. I haven't gone longer than I think the night before I filmed it actually went like three minutes I think but when I was just filming it I just wanted to get one minute on camera so it wasn't like a long video Um, but it your your thoughts are going to be shut down it's going to force you to learn how to breathe it's going to force you to regulate your breathing in that video you can see like shocked and I'm 
I'm breathing, but then it's like, okay, how do I regulate this? And as soon as you say, how do I regulate this? Then you start trying to regulate your breathing. So everything that, you know, the cold water teachers advertise, it does. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's a very tangible sensation. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's literally, I mean, when you get to like the ice bath and stuff, I mean, it's, it's on the level of, you know, shutting the form down to death. I mean, that's what you're doing. You know, so you, you have like all the retreating blood from the limbs that goes, you know, internal to the internal organs. So you have like this huge anti-inflammatory process that's happening like in the form. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what you're opening in terms of chakra alignment and stuff with that and then you know you get yourself out of the water and then all that blood returns so you get this big huge like body inhale and exhale like with the blood volume um so i mean there's just there's so much sensation going on to feel in the body it's uh yeah, it's pretty intense. That's something to the psyche too, as I've been doing it in the evening and man, I'm like refreshed after like I'm going to bed like an hour later, just more aware, not sure how it's helping. But here recently I've been so excited about the journey that going on, like I'm going to like lay down at eight thirty and just lay there aware for an an hour, but I've just been finding myself like staying downstairs till like 10 o'clock, just kind of like wide awake type thing the, the last two nights after doing it. And it hasn't been a bad experience. I mean, I'm breaking up a little bit of the pattern, but I would also like the whole experience is pay attention to like before too. Like right now I'm like, when you start to think about going to take a cold shower, everything in you is like, no, you don't. <laughs> I know. You don't, Definitely. you don't want to do that. So it's a good practice as far as awareness and standing back because everything in you is like, no, you don't want to do that. Are you kidding? Why would yeah. you want to do that? Being aware of that and yeah. seeing that is helpful. It's kind of, it's kind of like meditation um at times where like where but multiplied times a hundred like you get up in the morning like you want to meditate i don't have time to meditate i just gotta go to work or whatever you kind of talk yourself out of it well the cold water shower is like multiplied times a hundred like everything in you is trying to talk yourself out of it like you're trying to slap yourself in the face (laughs) like what are you doing no i don't need a cold shower my wife's like what are you doing you know, what, why are you doing this? Yes. I don't know why. You don't want me to yeah. cold shower either. She's like, you're making me cold. <laughs> I remember I was super fired up. And uh, it was, 
when I started to put the ice in the bath, like my whole system was my whole mind, like just completely rebelled on me. Like, what are you doing? No way. What are you doing? Yeah. Complete rebellion in the head to what you set your intention on. Yeah. It's a good discipline story too. Cause when you do it, you know, you do have a, you know, overcoming over in, you're just trying to talk yourself out of that initial shock to your system because the first five seconds is the worst. And then it gets progressively better as you start to breathe. And then, you know, you get the sensation of you're, you're regulating it. And then you get the sense of accomplishment. So there's this range of things that happen as though you're like, oh, I just set out to go work out at the gym. And I I went to the gym and then I worked out for 45 minutes and then I drove. Like you get a sense of accomplishment all in a short period of time. It's a range of things going on just from the experience of cold water. And then the breathing, when I come downstairs, like – like I, I really does put your focus on breathing and making sure those deep breaths are going in. Um, and it, yeah, just like with the thoughts, you know, intrusive thoughts or anything, and you want to try to shock the system and just go straight to the breath, it'll immediately happen. Yeah. Yeah, so you have like all those benef- benefits and then it it gets it gets weird cuz if you think about like uh the history of man I mean, there's a lot of cold showers back in our history. And I mean, it's it's only pretty recently that you get like this, you know, hot water plumbing. I mean, I know they had like Romans and stuff. They had some pretty cool, you know, aqueduct design where they were able to heat up some water but my point is like humans spent a whole lot of time in form like without access to like hot showers (laughs) so the only way that there was any bathing going on was like the process we're talking about yeah, it's the same thing as eating. We're doing a lot of discovery. Like it was gone from 20 years ago, like eating a lot, like a lot of small meals. Now it's to like the ultimate discovery. Like, you know, your ancestors went to hunt hungry, right? Like in putting your body in that hunger mode is like the disease fighting off mode. Like not eating for breakfast, not eating for lunch, and that, you know, even a one meal is like you're not starving yourself. You're actually putting your body in a mode of, um, it's, it's like scientifically proven. Like when you're in that hunger stage, you're in like a disease fighting off stage. And, and we've been under the impression like, wake up most important meal of the day is a breakfast and then lunch and then dinner. And like, you're you're like, and then it got to be like, Oh, never be hungry. Like eat a small meal, then eat a 10, then eat a 12 then two. Then, and then now it's like the recognition, Oh, the digestive system may need a break. Oh, we may need to fast. Oh, that's what our ancestors used to do. Like literally if you take it way back, you wake up and you go hunt for food. 
Right. And, oh, you, you maybe you're not even successful one day. Well, the next day, you're you're going to be that much more motivated to catch a fish. Right. Then you're probably right. going to catch a fish. But that's the that way That cold it shower ain't going to be shit. Cold shower ain't nothing. You're just trying to catch a fish. Here we are talking about cold showers. <laughs> They're rolling over in their grave. They're rolling over in like some realm in the astral. Like, listen to these bozos talk about taking a cold shower for the first time. You imbeciles, yeah. what is going on? I didn't eat for two days sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh.